We're talking about evangelism in the last days, next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. We've established recently on Abounding Grace that we are living in the last days. But today, we want to show you how God wants to use you in the last days. A big part of that involves evangelism. As you'll see in a moment, that's not just for the Greg Lorries and Franklin Grahams of the world. Every believer is to evangelize. But maybe you're not sure what to say or how to say it, or it makes you feel embarrassed or uncomfortable. Well, Pastor Ed Taylor will help us get over those hurdles too. Would you take your Bibles and open them to Daniel chapter 12? We're going to be looking at verse 3 tonight in a Bible study that I've entitled Evangelism in the Last Days. Evangelism in the Last Days. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. We ended our verse-by-verse study in Daniel last time, and it was so good and so timely and so spiritually rich. How would we know that that last section of Daniel, speaking of what the end times would look like, speaking of how, as Daniel was writing this, God was telling him, look, Daniel, I know a lot of it, what you see today, you don't understand, but in the last days, it's going to make sense. And as we looked at what the Bible has to say, we studied in depth what the Bible has to say what Jesus has to say about the last days. What are they going to look like? And as we, as we saw what Jesus said and compared it to our current day, we came to the conclusion that we're in the last days, not only because the Bible says so, but also we can see it with our own eyes. We're living it. And Daniel says, he's writing at the end, he says, in those in living in the last days, those who are wise are going to shine. And it speaks to us of, being salt and light. Those that are wise are going to shine the light. They're going to have a life that points to the brightness of God and His goodness. But also, those, those, who, are, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead, how, how do we become bright? How, how do we shine the light of the gospel? Well, those that lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. In the New King James, it says in verse 3, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And we've learned, yes, the days will get darker and darker. You're living in the end times. And so darkness is common in the end times. And yes, there's a brightness and a shining in your life, in my life, for those who are leading others to righteousness. Those who are actively, regularly sharing the love of Jesus with others. Not merely in evangelism, although that will be our emphasis, but you and I can lead a lot of people in righteousness as our fellow brothers and sisters. 
those that might be off on a tangent, those that might be off in a time of getting caught up in everything, those that might be hurting, those like leading them to right living, leading them to right decisions. When, when somebody comes to us, we tell them the truth biblically. We're careful not to spread our opinions. We're, we're careful not to persuade someone to our side, but rather we point them to the truth. No matter what, no matter what the consequences, this is the Word of God. And I've declared it to you, and now you're responsible to respond. There's a lot of different ways to lead people into righteousness. But for our time today, I want to emphasize the true essence of leading someone to right living, the lost, and how important that is in our lives. We call that evangelism. Evangelism is telling someone that is not in relationship with God the good news that Jesus Christ came in human flesh, God, sacrificing His own Son to die on your behalf and mine for the forgiveness of our sins, for the removal of shame. And you're telling folks the good news that their sins can be forgiven, that their life can be made right, that they can live eternally with God. We call that evangelism. So when you hear that word, it means to share the gospel, share the good news. Well, what's it like for a person to live without forgiveness in the dark? For the person that's not spiritually connected to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Listen, let's just be real. For some of you, for some of us, it's been so long since you've lived in darkness that you've forgotten how bad it really is. You've forgotten how hard it really was. You have forgotten exactly what spiritual blindness feels like. You've forgotten just what your sin, how it damaged you, how it ruined you, how it ruined relationships, how people were weeping over you and crying over you and praying for you. For some, it's been so long that we've forgotten. We don't even remember the issues that are on the hearts of those who don't know Jesus personally and intimately. We've just forgotten. And because we've forgotten, we lack an empathy and a care for people that are lost. And then somehow, as a sign of our own self-righteousness, we're shocked that the world lives like the world and that they act like the world. And we impose this morality on people that are unbelievers, disconnected from God, that really have no moral compass, that they'll never really, they're literally blind. It's a frustrating experience. It's a frustrating experience. The best way that I could describe it would be along the lines of trying to describe the colors of a rainbow to a blind person that's never seen them. They have no concept of color. So look at the beautiful rainbow. Really, really, tell me about it. Oh, look at the green. Green? What's green? What does green look like? Well, you know, like the grass. Well, what does grass look like? Well, you know, like money. Oh, I've never seen money before. And it would be very, very challenging and difficult to describe the rainbow to a blind person. So much so, it may become so difficult for you, you don't even want to do it anymore. It's so frustrating because they're asking questions, trying to wrestle, and sharing the gospel with a lost person is a lot like that. You're trying to describe the goodness and the grace and, and, it, and all of what you've experienced. That's why a great way to build a bridge is not first to not just share the gospel, but share the effects of the gospel. And when you share the effects of the gospel, what you're sharing is your testimony. Your testimony is not the gospel. You realize that. The gospel is very clear. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have every eternal life. That is the gospel in a nutshell. And we've looked at that in different studies. Those are available online and on our app. The, your testimony is not the gospel, although I'm certain that it has pieces. If not, if you, were, if you put it together uh, carefully, you probably put the gospel in it. But your testimony is not the gospel. 
It is the effect of the work of God in your life. And that's a good bridge. People love to hear a good story. They, especially if they don't know you. Uh, maybe it's a coworker, and all you guys know each other is the time you were at work. So you show up on time. They show up. Like everything, you're, they know the new you, but when they found out the old you, it's shocking. It's shocking. In, in some instances, as I share just small snippets of my past, I've literally received uh, responses like, they don't, no way, that not you. Like for some reason, people think pastors are born wearing glasses with a, with a tie on. They come out in a suit and tie with glasses and they never had, well, not, not my life. And as I share what God has done in my life, it's compelling. It's not the gospel though. Testimonies don't save. Only God saves. And only God saves through the truth of the gospel. So when you share to gather the attention of someone, you want to. But, but before you ever share, you have to care. You have to care. You, you, you need to realize, and you and I need to remember what it's like being lost. And if we, if we were raised in a godly home, then we need to have friends in our lives that can remind us of what it was like when they were lost. So that our hearts will break for the lost. You know as well as I do that in a time like this, the last days, there's such a pronounced time of the last days, church. It's easy to become passionate about things that don't matter, that aren't going to last for eternity. And on the one hand, you know, it, it becomes very frustrating for a pastor. I see people passionate about this. Oh, what about this? And I see a pastor passionate about, oh, what about that? I see so much passion in the church, lost and misdirected, caught up in things that aren't going to last. This trial will last and we'll come into another trial and another trial until the coming of the Lord, until the rapture of the church. And of all the passions, I mean, and on the other hand, it's exciting to me to see that there's still passion in people's lives. Like you can be passionate about something that it's in you. It's ready to come out of you. It's encouraging to be passionate. But how important it is that we're passionate for the things that outlast us, that outlast the trial, that outlast the difficulty, that outlast the oppression, that outlast. Like when you and I die, what we're passionate about continues on. And that's the gospel, the word of God. Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. What's eternal but the souls of men? And as you craft, as you were praying today about your own words, wholesome words, not worthless words, you think about in your life and where you're going, if what you're passionate about is leading people to righteousness, if what you're passionate about is what the Bible says here, that, that the wise will shine, and those that shine are reflecting the gospel, what is eternal? Maybe when you think back, you forget the horrible guilt that you carried around as an unbeliever. No one and nothing could remove the knowledge of your own guilt before others and before God. It was painfully obvious, even as your life was filled with stuff, there were, even as you made, as you accomplished the goals that you had, you just couldn't shake the guilt. You just couldn't, as we learn in the time with Jacob's sons, they had this guilty conscience that carried them all the way into Egypt. You could see it reflect, it changed their behavior. Maybe you forgot the guilt that you carried around. Maybe you forgot the sorrow of emptiness, the emptiness of life. Sure, you have things. You have all that you thought would make you happy, and yet you still, I mean, it's, doesn't it shock you still? that those often that get the attention, but it's not exclusive to them, but, but another movie star says, I don't want to live anymore. 
Like, those are people, the movie stars, the music moguls, all the, those are the people that kids are aspiring to. Those are the people that they're selling their lives out to be. When I grow up, I want that. And when I grow up, I want their money. And when I grow up, I want to be in the movies. When I grow up, I want to sing and I want to put, I want to put music out. And yet, those that have those things without Christ, they have everything that everyone else wants. And they're still empty. Because you can have everything that you've ever wanted, but apart from Christ, you're still empty. Maybe we forgot that, how empty it was. Relationship after relationship didn't fill you. All the money in the world didn't satisfy you. Drugs, alcohol only delayed the pain until it started to wear off and you started drinking again. That's how you become an alcoholic. It doesn't settle. You get more and more and more and more until it controls you. Maybe you forgot the loneliness that you experience as an unbeliever. Loneliness, the isolation of it all. You're there and you go, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? I learned in school that we're just animals. <laughs> so, you know, what kind of animal am I? Is there life after death? Am I just an animal? Will I ever be loved? Will I ever know what love is? Why on the planet with billions of people do I feel so alone? Maybe you don't remember the fear that you lived with, the fear of death. What will happen after I die? Oh, we didn't pay much attention to it. We didn't spend a lot of time, but when it came, it came hard and fast. Where you begin to think, fear? What, what's going to happen after I, oh, there's, there's no such thing as life after death. And so you just kind of went on and pretended that nothing happened. But then you went to a funeral. And as the pastor got up there and started talking about it, and you're watching the reality of death, and you're feeling the reality of death, you started asking, what about me? And yet you really didn't want to submit to God. Those are things that everyone deals with. If you want to write them down, I want you to write this down. And I'll help you remember these four things. Everyone deals with self. Everyone deals, every person that doesn't have a relationship with God deals with self. And each letter stands for something. You ready? The S stands for the sense of guilt. Everyone deals with the sense of guilt. The E stands for the emptiness of life. The L stands for loneliness. And the F stands for the fear of death. Those four things, at least one of them, is on the mind of every unbeliever every day of every week of every month of every year. I remember distinctly in my own life how I would live life giving the air that I'm confident. I got this going, this going. I just really, really on an outward scale, just giving this view that everything's fine with me. But when I went home and I put my head on my pillow all by myself, I was a wreck as I sort out my life. I had nowhere to turn to. And, you know, I was prideful and arrogant and I didn't want to turn to anyone. But in the quietness of my life, God was already speaking to me at a very young age. In my life, I didn't need to be convinced of these things. I live them daily. And as you're facing difficulties of sharing the gospel with a coworker, you're not sure how to connect with them. Remember these four things, because each one of them, they become bridges into their lives. You, you have an answer for every one of them in the scriptures. Jesus Christ answers the sense of guilt. How? By shedding his own blood and forgiving you of all your guilt and shame. Jesus answers the issue of emptiness of life because by faith in Jesus Christ, you immediately in that very instant moment of being born again have been given purpose and direction. No longer empty, you have been filled. 
Not only does God deal with those, but Jesus deals with the loneliness. He gives you his friendship. He gives you sonship. You're adopted in the family of God. And on top of all that, Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You will never be alone. On top of all of that, you're into a new family. You have a family. For some people, the family of God is closer than their own blood relatives. That's what God does through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you have good relationships with your blood relatives. They're saved. You're saved. That's the closest relationship you can ever enjoy. One of the closest. And you look at the fear of death. How does Jesus handle the fear of death? He promises resurrection. (laughs) Oh, no. Death is not the end. It's just the beginning. It's a transition into eternity. And for the believer, it's a transition into eternity with God. And as you share these things, you know, as you're just talking and, you know, you remember every conversation is the opportunity to plant a seed, to water a seed. God gives the increase. And as people trust you, they open up to you and you begin to talk to them. You begin to share with you. And you're just one piece of the puzzle and God, God's using you and others to bring people to Christ. But you've got to care. Before you share, you've got to care. If you don't care, then people all around you are going to die and go to hell. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, you can jot it down. The seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. A wise person wins friends. In the New King James, it says this. The fruit of the the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Not too many years ago, we rearranged our whole vision of this church to place the emphasis as believers. Now, we know we're saved. So for the saved, those that have a relationship with God, I have a responsibility to equip you, to teach you the Bible, to edify you, to prepare you, to train you, uh, to minister to you, to encourage you. I have a lot of responsibilities. And as I do that, the responsibility is the church is gathered right now, then the church is scattered. And you've experienced that in a real way in the last few months, a scattered church. We haven't been able to gather. And as you're out and about, that's where the meat of the gospel, that's where it lives. That like you and I, we have the opportunity to mingle in this world, to, to intertwine with those that don't know Jesus. And, and we're able to build friendships and relationships. We're able to speak kindness and through good deeds point to Jesus Christ, the motive and be able to share the motives. And the, the reality of wisdom is bringing people to a saving faith. So what's our, what's our vision? When disciples sin. When. When is not a competitive word here. Neither is it here in Proverbs. It's not a competitive word where there's winners and losers. But the idea behind this definition of win would be to win someone over to the heart of Jesus. Like you want to see their hearts won. And you're a tool in that. But until you, ex- until you acknowledge that, you really won't care about the lost. And, and I know, in a room this size, the amount of people that are here watching online, listening on the radio, there are definitely people here that do not care about the lost. That's a sin. To have no care and concern for the lost is a sin. And it's something that can be changed. It's something that can be developed. And so let's look at what the Bible has to say about evangelism so that the Holy Spirit can minister to you and you can see that God wants to use you. So here's number one. You ready? Number one, every believer is to evangelize. Every believer is to evangelize. Telling others about Jesus is not for a select group of people. It's not just the pastor's job. It's for all of us, every single one of us. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. 
This is an exhortation and a command to every one of Jesus' followers, disciples, believers, disciples, believers, however you want to describe yourself, this is for you. If you're a believer, you're responsible. We don't like commands too much, so we tend to ignore the commands we don't like. And we tend to emphasize, well, I'm not comfortable. I don't know what to say. I don't want to do it. But I'm telling you, as soon as you step in with a careful heart for someone, the Lord will meet you there, and all your excuses will be gone. Yeah, maybe you make a mistake now and then. Maybe you say the wrong. Maybe you get stumped. Welcome to all of us. That's all of us. We get stumped all the time. They're like, oh man, good question. Never thought of that. Uh, I, never, I never even explained. Like, but you jump in. That's the exciting part because when somebody asks a question that you don't know, and it's all part of the process, you don't need to argue with them. You don't need to just say, you know what? That's a good question. I need, to, I need to spend some time reading the Bible and studying that. So why don't I look that up and let's meet again or let's talk again and I'll give you the question. I'll give you the answer. It'll take me a few days because I'm not really, you know, you can admit, I'm, I'm not, I don't really know. I've got to look. I might have to ask a friend. But you are then honoring and validating that person instead of trying to win an argument, trying to make things up or just going, I don't want to argue. I don't, even want, I don't want to be put in that position because it'll be embarrassing. Why don't you just... Put yourself out there and be embarrassed. It's all right. You'll get over it. You'll get over it for the sake of loving someone that God put in your life. You'll get over it. You'll, you'll find that the first person you lead to the Lord, you will just be overwhelmed. Yes, every believer is to evangelize. We'll leave you to think that over, and we'll share the rest of this message tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. You can hear these radio programs on our website any time of the day or night at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is by downloading our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. And as you were talking about evangelism in the last days, 1 Peter 3.15 came to mind, which says, Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So what are some ways that we can get prepared? Well, you know, Larry, preparation is always starts with prayer, and it begins with the seeking, knocking, and asking from God how and where and when we're to share. I think preparation also comes by being men and women of the Word. So you've got prayer, you have the Word of God, and, and also preparation comes by just doing it, uh, opening your mouth. And, and here's the bridge. There's a couple bridges, okay? Let me, a lot of times, let me prepare you right now. I'm going to give you two things that will ready you to open the door to talk to someone. Number one is ask them, the, uh, ask them this question. Did you know that there's a God in heaven who loves you? And do you know that God? I know it's, it's a bold statement, but it's a statement that, that completely clears the air and gets our eyes on the Lord right then, right there. Do you know that there's a God in heaven that loves you? And that opens a door for you to minister directly to the person. It gets the conversation focused on the Lord. Secondly, a great door opener, bridge building tool that I use is very easy. I know it's going to sound so simple to you, but you know, you got to learn how to use it. And that's simply asking this question, what is it that I can pray for you about? How can I pray for you? Is there anything you need me to pray for you about? Open-ended question. Not a yes or no, but asking for some. And I'm telling you, I don't know specifics, right? But 99% of the time, 
people will give you something to pray. And then if they do, you say, well, can I pray for you right now? And then you use that as a follow-up to check in on them. And as relationships being built, you're going to know right then and there how the Holy Spirit's going to use you to talk to them about the God in heaven that loves them, how to talk to them about the God you pray to, how to talk to them about the one who sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. So let me just say this. You listening in right now, is there something that we can pray for you about? Text us. I'm going to give you a number you can text. It's a dedicated prayer line here at Calvary Church. Here, You ready? Get something to write with. 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897 is our text line. Text us your prayers, and we'll pray for you. And uh, we'll lift them up before the Lord together. Isn't that great? God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. That's very helpful. Thanks, Ed. We've just released Pastor Ed's new book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. We all suffer and experience pain, and maybe for you that's been at an all-time high in recent months. God stands ready to help us when we experience a troubled heart. Perhaps you've experienced a deep grief or a painful trial recently, or know of someone who has. I know you'll be blessed and encouraged as you read God's Help for the Troubled Heart. We'll send you a copy with our thanks when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Our final study in Daniel is coming up tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor shares more about evangelism in the last days. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.